Gifts Without Service, Tanya Whitwer, 1991, originally published in Table Talk, Volume 6, Part 2. If a woman in the LCA who has heard God's call to public ministry tells you her story, you are likely to hear, maybe between the lines, a lot of pain. The pain is often covered by layers of defensiveness and resignation. If you can see within the same woman the existence of gifts appropriate for such service, you will probably feel her pain. Does God give gifts but withhold the avenues of service in which to use them? Who could disagree with the Uniting Church when it states, The whole church rejects categorically any suggestion that ordination should be denied to anyone for the sole reason that they belong to a certain culture or class or language group or race. It would amount to a denial of the gospel. And yet, our church continues to deny ordination to women. Appeals to tradition, to scripture, to practicalities, to detrimental effects on ecumenical cooperation are all used to justify the stance. Within a couple of generations of activity by the early church, women were moved from holding ecclesial office, even though they had, in the earliest church, been leaders and missionaries. They became a marginalised, silent group within the Christian church as the forces of patriarchy overcame the emancipation women had been given by Christ. So the church has a long history of male domination, which manifested itself in the selective use of images and language, so that the feminine became invisible. Tradition framed its own exegesis, so that where scripture referred to the ministry of women, such references were interpreted to be referring to men, or the words used to describe their service were translated differently than the identical words when used for men. Translations of Greek and Hebrew into Latin and later into English masculinized many scriptural references which had been neutral. But the gospel is greater than those proclaiming it. The church, the gathering together of the people of God, is a gathering of people alienated from God, sinners, and therefore is surely a sinful church. Therefore we must always be in a process of examining our traditions and practice in the light of the gospel, being willing to change where gospel imperative is perceived. That the Holy Spirit guided the church in the past is not being brought into question, but the corollary is that she, he, continues to guide the church and each of those people of God who constitute the body of Christ today. A difficulty in the discussion on the ordination of women is the difference in understandings on the use of scripture in such a debate. For some people, some specific verses seem to deny women ordination.
for others, the weight of biblical witness impels them to interpret specific texts in the light of the wider picture. And scripture nowhere addresses specifically the question of ordination of men or women. In his ministry, Jesus affirmed women as he did men. He discussed theology with them, travelled with them, and was supported by them. He told stories arising out of women's work and experience and paints pictures of God in the feminine. Moreover, he entrusts women who remain faithful throughout the events leading to and beyond his death with the news of his resurrection and the task to proclaim it. That this according of equal dignity and humanity to women was carried on in the early church is evident in the early epistles. Fiorenza writes, The distinctive gift of Christianity was a vision of a community expressed in Galatians 3.28, not as a millennial ideal, but as a community reality. This is not an oddity or the expression of eschatological hope. This passage of Galatians is a key one, reflecting the fundamental nature of the early Christian movement. Christ came to reconcile all people. All are one in Christ through faith. There are also individual texts which contradict the message of equality. It is important that they are reflected on in the context and in the light of the strong themes of Scripture, of love, of freedom, of mutual respect as the norm for the Christian community, of the wielding of towels to wash feet rather than scepters of power to coerce. The denial of ordination to women becomes a symbol of the wide oppression felt by women. The church rejects their spiritual experience, takes their service for granted, and restricts their participation in its decision-making processes and in ministry opportunities. The clericalization of theology with accompanying assumptions about the nature of the study makes access difficult for those who are not studying for ordained ministry and those who cannot study full-time. Timetables are organised with no concern for those people, mainly women, who have childcare commitments. Assumptions about legitimate reasons for studying theology and right ways of approaching the subject make theological institutions alienating for many. In order to accord all people within the church full participation, we need to take steps to ensure that certain groups are not alienated by the assumptions we make or the structures we use. If the language we use excludes some, that language needs to change. And just as God created us all in God's image, male and female, so it is important to acknowledge and work with the diversity of gifts and qualities God has given us. To acknowledge the value of intuitive as well as intellectual reasoning, 
to value in men and women qualities generally thought of as feminine, care and compassion, gentleness and creativity, are important parts of this process. For some, the issue of the denial of ordination to women is not problematic, as they fail to understand how a woman could work within a structure which is inherently patriarchal. Others who perceive these same difficulties suggest that our aim should be to retain the substance, the heart of what it means to be Lutheran, while working towards changing our structures and practices so that we live out our biblical faith. The participation of women in ordained ministry and thoughtful affirmative action to include women in decision-making at all levels is seen as essential within such a process. It is not just for women that our church needs to ordain women. It is for the wholeness of the church. When men and women work together, learn and teach together, lead liturgy and serve at the Lord's table together, we experience in a profound way Christ's breaking down of the great wall which divides one part of humanity from another. It becomes the visible symbol and experience of the breaking down of alienation between God and humanity. In more concrete terms, it releases the gifts of all the church for service and allows completeness in the use of these gifts. It's not about women wanting rights. It's not about women wanting power. The issue of women's ordination is one of a church recognising all the gifts that God gives, including the gifting of both female and male to serve in ordained ministry. It is all about living as redeemed humanity, without distinctions.